everyone. Welcome to the Wealthy Retailer Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Holman. I've got uh, my man from Road 55, Rob Lawlisher here, feeding off some headlines that we're going to chat about this week. Uh, we're recording for the week of uh, November 12th. Just get past uh, Remembrance Day here in yep. Canada, Veterans Day uh, to our to our crazy neighbors to the south, crazy neighbors <laughs> in the our last fun, couple of weeks. Our crazy. fun American neighbors. <laughs> yeah. Love them. Yeah. How you doing this morning, Rob? I'm good. I'm well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. I'm on the right side Uh, of the snow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 10 feet of snow. We got our, we got our share of it in the the prairies here this week. That's all right. Winter's officially started. Uh, We got some great headlines again this week. Uh, 100-year-old retail store. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, So we're going to talk about, you know, what, what is the life of a retail store? and, And we'll build off of that. Uh, we've been chatting a bit about Black Friday, normally one day, but really being spread out this year. And Dan's got some great thoughts there. There's a story from Forbes about some buyers that are, you know, they're running around, they're buying up brands, and, and they're looking for some very specific things. And and these things, I think, you know, really lend themselves well to to all of our businesses and kind of make us take a step back and what might we be able to do to uh, make those improvements. And... Uh, Dan, you got a little seminar going on next week with some uh, some pretty vital holiday tips. So we'll chat on that. And uh, I like this one. The the uh, it's always been there, but a bit of the enhanced topic of twenty twenty uh, self gifting, you know, and how how can retailers uh, take advantage there? So without a doubt, Dan, we got some good stuff to to parlay about we do. Uh, today. Let's go into that first story. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, here we are. It's coming from uh, the jwcdaily.com. It's a story about, um, how do you say it? The DeSitter um, uh, store. Yeah, the DeSitter flooring, 100 years success. And, and uh, you know, when they talk about, they've lived through pandemics, depressions, wars. You know, they obviously look at everything with a long-term view. Um I raised the question to you, Dan. What is the average life of a of a retail store? What does that look like? What did you think of when you read this story? Uh, well, I mean, the first thing that, <laughs> again, you know, I don't know always where some of these great stories come from, so I had to go find out, you know, where is this company, you know, and learn a little bit more about them. And you know, maybe that's part of our humility, but as Canadians, we don't really talk about our retail heritage. In fact, I'm going to throw some trivia at you. Um, The oldest retailer in North America, not in Canada, in North America, was founded in uh, 1670. Opened its first storefront in Winnipeg, Manitoba in 1981. Who do you think that is? Well, I'd have to say the Bay. Yeah, 100%. The Bay. Bay. Yeah, it's the Hudson's Bay Company. So the Hudson's Bay Company started trading, you know, in the late 1600s, (laughs) opened its first storefront in 1881. They are the oldest retailer in North America. So that's pretty good. So now we're talking about this great uh, flooring company that's 100 years old. And I thought, gosh, I remember really distinctly talking not very long ago to someone um, in the furniture world okay. about the oldest independent retailer and who they were. And the oldest independent retail store in Canada opened its doors in 19, or sorry, in 1854 
in Kingston, Ontario, okay. home of the uh, Kingston Frontenacs, I think. Frontenacs, yeah. Kingston yeah, opened their doors in Kingston, Ontario in 1854, and it was John Reed Furniture. They celebrated um, 160 years, about three or four years ago, I think Holy it was. Mo. Same family involved, do you know? Like Same or, or... family. Wow. Generation after generation. So, you know, how old? How do these how do these retailers survive? And what is the life expectancy of a retailer today? And I'll tell you this, most retail experts or most even even you know, business economists, business experts say that if a business makes it past, you know, it's five years or makes it to five years, it crosses this significant milestone and it'll likely be around for many, many more. The truth, according to Stats Canada, you know, I'm a numbers guy, so I go yep. look at numbers. The truth, according to Stats Canada, is only that about 66% of businesses ever make it to five years and only 47% ever make it to 10 so let's talk about retail. In 2012, there were 100 and just over 195,000 retail stores in Canada. So far this year, Stats Canada has suggested that 6,133 retail stores have closed and 200, or pardon me, 2,266 have opened or started. So, you know, we've got a net $4,000 loss in this year. And those numbers are going to kind of continue, you know, to teeter-totter, yeah. what we'll say, teeter-totter through 2021. But if we go back over the last five years in Canada, five years, even eight years in Canada, we see that, you know, we had 195,000 in stores in 2012 and in 2008 we were 213,000. So we've seen retail attrition happening you know, for several years. And these great stories, um, you know, like our friends in the flooring business, John, John Reed Furniture, um, you know, maybe the Hudson Bay, you know, we're going to see a shift in turmoil happen. So, you know, to say what the life and life expectancy is of a retail store right now, man, oh man, it is completely different than it was a year ago. Here we sit, you know, in the midst of another, weird period in this pandemic and the quickest ones to die on the vine are food and beverage retail you know specialty hospitality these are the guys that are in the most trouble so you know i i don't care if you're a 25 year old company if you're not lean and mean and yep. you know you've got some dough in the bank you you're you're in a you're in a volatile position so but who would have seen a mask and ppe store a year ago right Man, no <laughs> like, shit it uh, create, creates some different categories. Yeah, as well. only the only the wealthy barber would ever think to open a, <laughs> you know, a PPE store that the uh, he thinks has longevity. We'll see how good uh, old Davy Boy is. <laughs> yeah, when when um, you look at the longevity of a store, I I think uh, I'll look at like some restaurant chains we've seen over the years that. I don't know, like every, it seems like every seven to 10 years, they, they just do like a night and day change yeah. of the yep. environment of the, do you, do you think retailers do enough of that to help them, no. um, you know, get that longer life lifespan? No, unfortunately, retailers don't. Retailers, you know, we're going to talk about this a little bit later on this morning, yep. but retailers in this zone, 
that we're in mid-November to end of December is typically where they hit their break-even. You know, break-even, that point in the year that they don't make or lose any money. And so, you know, we're very, we, we traditionally are undercapitalized in retail and don't, don't pay enough attention to our environment. And you're seeing that now, you know, uh, Rob, in the last 18 to 24 months, more and more and more experiential stores opening, more and more retailers doubling down and saying, okay, I've got to change my store. You know, Moose Knuckles just opened in, in, Chinook Center down in Calgary. You know, they've done pop-ups before. There's a pop-up shop in West Edmonton Mall, but they've now opened this 2,300 square foot, you know, experiential store. And more and more retailers need to go through that exercise. And I can tell you, coming from the furniture world, um, it was a constant that on a regular basis, monthly almost, we were adapting, changing, shifting um, the environment, the rooms yeah. that we were in and, and the indie retailer, that specialty retailer doesn't do it enough. Yeah. Right on. Okay. Into our next story, uh, black Friday, we've been talking about this, that, um, you know, just the topic keeps going. I won't let it go here, Dan, but, uh, I got you, uh, you know, talking about that traditionally, this was a one day event, but it, it's being spread out. Not all, I, I'd say driven by a couple of reasons. One, you know, some retailers themselves physically, they just can't have as many people uh, come at the at the same yep. time. So they're trying to spread it out that way, but also doing whatever they can to to generate additional sales. I'll ask a little bit of the question of when does it become a bit too much where all of a sudden it loses its its allure to the consumer? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, Rob, and really difficult to answer. We've talked about this ugly stepchild black Friday, you know, here in Canada. And, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is right now. And I'm going to say the same thing about promoting black Friday. The best time to start was probably two weeks ago. Um, Second best time is right now. And so when does the consumer grow tired of it? The consumer's not going to grow tired of it. The consumers, the consumer over this next six or seven week period will fill themselves up. And the more and more we use this Black Friday label, the faster she'll get tired of it. And so we have to change our language. This is not about Black Friday. I'm not saying, you know, we need to be promoting in our store massive discount. We don't need to be 50 to 80% off in our stores right now and screaming Black Friday sales. P.S., you know, one of the biggest electronics companies in Alberta launched Black Friday, you know, Wednesday, uh, Wednesday, Monday, pardon me, this week. You know, Visions Electronics came out yeah. and said, we're doing Black Friday door crashers every day. And, you know, electronics is where Black Friday really soared for many years in Canada. Canadians, you know, looked to line up for Black Friday at electronics stores, not typical indie retailers, not apparel stores, not, and we've not seen that. And the retailers that have been creative, you know, have stepped outside the box, have really thought about what does that mean to them? How can they attract an audience? They've been very, very promotional. Well, as I said earlier, this last six or seven week period is the point at which we hit our break-even number. Our break-even number is going to come by driving retail sales up, you know, maybe not focusing as much emphasis on our margin, but rather on driving that top line sale. So we need to be in that conversation with her. We need to be in promotion right now. 
being in that conversation means that we're out there in front of her being, you know, top of mind, top of her mind, so that when she does take action, she isn't, her mind isn't overwhelmed with bullshit advertising, door crasher, electronics door crashers, you know, get your VCR for 19 bucks. You remember those days? You know, you line up to get a $19 VCR. And they're gone eight seconds later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, I can tell you this. I've seen retailers launch, you know, products in the last four or five weeks and and sell 250 items in 11 minutes. I mean, kudos, good on them. But that speaks to that audience's impulsive nature. We've got to be top of mind of her, top of her mind. The last six or seven weeks of the year are where we break even. We've got to drive retail. And this period needs to be less about margin and more about top line sales. And if you're not sure how to promote your store, what ideas you should be, you know, or tactics you should be deploying in your store, go back and listen to the last three podcasts. Rob's hit on Black Friday every single week or better yet, send an email to Dan at the wealthy and I'll give you the list of curated ideas that come from you know, 80, 70 or 80 different affiliates out there. I think there's 30 unique ideas on that list right now. And we keep tossing a couple on there, you know, as we hear and see things that are working really well, we're adding them. So, you know, send me an email. I'll send you a copy of the list. Um, it's give to get. You got to send me your email address. You got to introduce yourself. And I'm happy to share that list. With you. Yeah. I My mind really goes to, and you hit on the point of, of Black Friday kind of washing itself out, just surely for the fact that, everybody uses the exact same term. And I would, I would challenge people to think of, you know, what, what can you make yours? So it might be the the similar spirit, but you know, just down the street from my studio is the, the one of the original brick buildings, you know, one of yeah. my dad's old teammate, Bill Comrie and, you know, midnight madness sales. Yeah. He, he started way back when, and um, you could say that was a black Friday sale, but, but eventually over time, like, no, that was the brick sale. And, and, right. you know, to whatever your business is to look for that, put that creative hat on and, and say like, you know, you know, let's come up with something that it, it will, it will do what it needs to do on the, on the sale front excitement front. But we, we've in turn created something that is, that is truly ours. And I know it's a little, little uh, less traveled path, but uh, one I think will pay off for you. But I think that's the, you're right, Rob, you are a hundred percent right. I'm going to tell you that 80 or greater percent of the sales you see out there and our, our good friends at the brick were no different than anyone else. The need for a sale come came from, comes from a lack of cash. It's not a need for revenue. It's not a need to drive sales. It's a need to drive cash. And if you're not in a strong cash position, you revert to liquidation to generate cash. And that comes from being overpositioned in inventory. That comes from spending too much money in, in, in inventory and you're buying it. It's from being an aspirational buyer instead of a data-driven buyer, you know, Oh, that's going to sell. That's going to sell. Give me 10 of them. And all 10 of them are in the warehouse. And now they're going to sell them for cents on the dollar. That's where those great sales came from. And I promise you, 
you know, I, I think I was in the second brick store ever created in Kitchener, Ontario, and, you know, that and selling $19 door crasher items. I think we talked about the $9 or $19 VCR. You know, those were door crasher items. Let's drive some traffic and then try to convert everybody to 24 or 36 months, same as cash purchases on a new dining room suite or living room suite. Well, in retail, we just need to be creative. We just need to be top of mind. And our goal cannot be to drive cash. Driving cash is a consequence of generating that sale. We've got to be promotional. We've got to be, when I say promotional, I'm talking about promoting yourself, not discounting, not cutting your nose off to spite your face. You know, look in your store, buy specifically for these events and don't use Black Friday as a mechanism to drive cash flow. Use your inventory as a mechanism to drive cash flow and having the right inventory right now new inventory right now is how you capture a sale it is not hey i got a ton of shit from two years ago that i'm selling at 20 cents on the dollar does she really want something you know that's not vintage because it's only two years old but that nobody else wanted two years ago is that what she wants no she wants to know what's on point right now right the same thing that happens in your home i'm freshening up my home with something new Okay, folks, remember this podcast is brought to you by Canadian Retail Solutions. Don't believe everything I say about it. Here's a testimonial for you. Canadian Retail Solutions has been a tremendous asset to our business. CRS has helped us get to the next level by reducing inventory levels, increasing sales, and most importantly, increasing profitability. They have become an integral part of our team. And I think that's a, a real big point when you think about the folks at Canadian Retail Solutions. They're really going to become part of uh, part of your team. So visit retailbycrs.com from the latest point of sale software to merchandise intelligence, open to buy plans and more. They are here to help folks. Okay, Dan, our next story comes to us from, where are we? Forbes. Yeah, that little yeah, Forbes. site called Forbes. Um, <laughs> About these, uh, th this company that is out there shopping for brands, and and I, I know it's the individual brand they're looking for, but they hit on on four points that they're really looking for, and that is the four Ds. They said they want brands that are data driven, digitized, direct, and non dependent, and they expanded on that. The non dependent being, you know, rephrased as controls their own destiny. Destiny. Yeah. Yep. You are my density. <laughs> little back to the future throwback there anyways dan when you uh when you see that uh i uh, quote what what are your uh, thoughts what what can you take from this that that a retailer can take and and uh do something with well here's a couple of guys that really have their shit together you know this is the unified commerce group they're out there buying brands but they're buying brands um at a level um, that meet their criteria. And it doesn't so much matter what kind of a brand it is. These guys are in that retail space and they follow what they call their four Ds. Um, the four Ds, data-driven, digitized, direct, and non-dependent. And Rob, I'm going to say, um, you know, this is part of what we believe is our secret sauce. We've been guiding retailers on three of these for many, many, many years. Management One, um, you know, has been this data-driven organization. This is how they drive retail. Yeah. And as, as retail coaches and consultants and service providers, and, and even in our point of sale world, you know, we've been guiding retailers on these things for many years worth. Next month, 
you know, we're 31 years old. We've been doing this for a long time. It is, you know, only in the last eight or 10 have we added that fourth D, which is digitized. But we've been, you've got to be data-driven. You've got to be direct to consumer. You've got to be non-dependent on your brands. And so think about what that means. Yep. You know, in the apparel market, digitized was not as significant prior to March 2020. It was playing a part, but it was in infancy. And so now we're seeing where digitization, uh, omni-channel um, experience, synonymous experience levels uh, are really being part of this equation. And certainly the guys at UCG uh, are laying down a pathway. They just purchased Frank and Oak, uh, a store that was, you know, that was went bankrupt or they bought them from bankruptcy earlier in the year, uh, which is a great men's brand was a pretty great men's brand and and they're going to revive them but they looked at these things are they data driven and what does data driven really mean for a retailer well it means that every investment you make every investment decision i.e inventory decision we make needs to be driven by truth rather than what we believe to be true i believe it will sell i believe they're my top performer i believe i believe i believe we don't usually interject that word, I believe. We just make this statement. They are my best vendor. Okay, show me why. And, <laughs> and I say that over and over again. Show me why they're your best. Show me the data that tells me they're the best vendor in your store. So we do need to be data-driven in our stores. And every single investment you make in inventory must come from a place of truth, a place of data. Uh, the other D they use data or sorry, not data driven, but uh, direct, direct. How do you strengthen your direct brand relationship with your consumer? Not the brands you carry in the store, but your brand. And when we talk about direct, you see, you have an indirect influence when you're promoting you know, some of these great brands that we use in our stores. I think I talked about Moose Knuckles a little while ago. You know, if you're promoting Moose Knuckle, you're not promoting yourself. You're not direct, right? You're indirectly driving that. You need to drive and strengthen your direct brand. You know, what is that shirt? I love that top. You know, what is it? Well, it is dot, dot, dot in, you know, boutique. Yeah. It's not, you know, a... Um, you know, and Mike, it's not a Manning Anvil t-shirt. It's a Twig and Berries t-shirt. And that's the power of being direct. Digitize. So, so what, what do we mean by digitize? Digitize is really, you know, how we've enhanced our digital appearance and messaging in our stores, um, in our, in our consumer's mind. Does our digital appearance and messaging match the, the in-store vision that we have? And vision is really, you know, her perception in your store. And you've got to take your in-store experience, your in-store presentation and virtualize it, digitize it. You've got to be in that digital zone. And so that's critically important for them. And then the non-dependent D is, you know, speaks to, are we building our own brand alongside of our partners? Are we adding products, capsule collections, uh, collaborations that are, hours making us less dependent on those vendors right now it has never been easier to create a brand or a capsule collection in your apparel store you can go to any number of your vendors and say hey love to do a collaboration i'd love to build a little capsule collection that is just 
mine. Every furniture guy out there does it. Every apparel guy out there does it. And you can take products and build your own. You can go to market right now and build your own products. It is not nearly the <sighs> expense that it used to be. Right. The MOQs, the minimum order quantities have come down. There are more opportunities. And certainly this does not have to happen overseas. It does not have to happen in Asia. It can happen in Europe. It can happen. I mean, Italy is doing a great job with some brands right now. And you've got brands right here at home that are happy to collaborate with you. Nice. I really, I remember an old uh, um, episode you talked about where uh, art, uh, you know, the crossroads where art meets math or, or art and science, science. art and science, yeah. art and math. And, and so much of what you and your team do is uh, I love the, let the retailer be the artist, let, let yeah. them be the, the passionate side of what, whatever it is they're selling, but we're going to, we're going to keep you kind of, you know, rooted and, and, or grounded in, in the data and, and uh, the science of it all. And, and this just truly supports it. Uh, it does. It's Rob, it so does. And our job in retail you know, as retail guides, as retail coaches, is to understand how to build an offense. Yeah. How do we play offense, not defense? And I don't care what world you come from. If you only take a defensive stance, you can never win. You have to score a goal to win. You got to kill the other guy to be the champ. That's the way it works. You've got to play offense. You got to throw a punch. You got to take risk. You got to shoot the puck. You have to play offense. And my job, you know, our jobs as good retail coaches is to use data to build a solid offense and, and to take risk. And I said to somebody last night, you know, I got a question. Somebody sent me a text late last night. Should I take this risk? I'm like, you know, Billy, if you want big rewards, you got to take big risk, you know, yep, no right guts, on. no glory, take some risk. And here's how much risk you should take. Yep. It's X. It's this, how, this is how we quantify how much risk you should take. And that is absolutely about, you know, here's some science. Now allow what you're so good at the art to take over. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you for saying that, bringing that up. That's awesome. Well, it is our, absolutely where art yeah. and science meet. Yeah, totally. And and no risk in our next item, Dan, because uh, this is open to everyone. It costs nothing. You've got a little seminar happening next Tuesday, but, you know, jump yeah. in, folks. This is an opportunity to grab a little time with Dan coming up where uh, tell us a bit about what you're going to be going over next week and, and uh, how folks might might get involved. Yeah, so the city of St. Albert, the uh, economic development uh, department reached out and said, uh, after we did something with the chamber a week or so ago, said, hey, could you do something for our retailers here in St. Albert? Um, and so they kind of hit me, you know, where they know I can't say, they hit me where I can't say no. Yeah, Can I do yeah. something for the retailers in the community I live in? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Frickin' right, I can. And I'm just going to say, Rob, it is no secret, you know, that we need to drive profitable sales during this crucial time of year. I mean, this is retail. We've got to do that business. And it is possible, no matter what size your business is, you can take advantage of this unique holiday season as we adapt stores during this evolutionary period. You've got to understand how to connect with her 
and still play by the rules. Yep. You know, a lot of us as retailers are are still being steered by some rules, which is not commonplace for a retailer. A retailer typically works against the rules, goes against the odds, says, no, no, you all go down that path. You follow the rest of them to slaughter. I'm going this way. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm going to figure shit out. This is the way I'm going. <laughs> you know? And so here we are. You know, We're going to put this webinar on. It's Tuesday morning, 8 o'clock. You know, pre, I got to get to my store. It's early in the morning. And we're going to talk about what is critically important, the best practices that other retailers are taking to, to play right now in your store. I'm going to share a little bit about selling in this holiday season from a distance. I'm going to talk about some critical holiday strategies starting on Tuesday. I'm not going to use the word Black Friday because I don't believe in it, uh, but I'm going to talk about the, the importance of holiday shopping and how to connect with her. Um, and it's probably, you know, 40 minutes of 45 minutes of great interaction tagged on the back of a 15 minute presentation. So awesome. answering questions, lots of stuff. It's free uh, if you're a business in St. Albert. So I'm not telling you to lie, uh, but I'm saying sign up. <laughs> or open your second store in St. Albert down the road. Say, a new store hey, there's is lots coming. of space. There's new lots of space coming. here in St. Albert. That's what I wanted to sign up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. If you need well, a business we'll... name to use to register, yeah. you're welcome to use the wealthy <laughs> retailer. There you go. Um, uh, we'll have the link in the newsletter, folks. So uh, great opportunity to jump on board and, and uh, uh, you know, learn some stuff from yeah. Dan uh, next week. That's great. Okay, Dan, um, our, our next story, A Wire, it uh, came out. It was the uh, the results of they, they were doing a little bit of a survey, the Retail Council of Canada. Yeah. Uh, I zeroed in on kind of one part of it where the, the self-gifting aspect, and I remember – I shared a story of my wife making a, a big up sale in her store where she just simply convinced the lady that you deserve this. Yes. <laughs> this has been a terrible year. You deserve yeah. this. You've not gone on holidays. You've not gone. On... So when, when you look at what comes out of this uh, uh, survey, what are some of your thoughts? Well, for sure, more than ever, Canadians understand a critical role they play in helping keep our community strong, alive and thriving. And, you know, they're, they're combining these two, what I'm going to call these two aspects, you know, shopping for themselves and for someone else at the same time. And certainly there is this growing trend towards, you know, self-gifting. And one of my, you know, favorite retailers, uh, Laura, um, over at Sweet Boutique in St. Albert, talks about the need for retail therapy on an ongoing basis. You know, she talks to her team about, we are really providing some level of retail therapy. Very few people walk in her store with the intention to buy something for someone else, but they'll line up 25 deep outside to buy themselves something, to give themselves something to make them feel better. And if you are doing this for the right reason. If you're in retail for the right reason, you're here to serve others. You, you believe in service above self and your satisfaction comes from enhancing the way she feels, whether it's in your clothing, in your furniture, you know, with your food and beverage, whatever it is, you're changing the way someone feels. And that is in fact about, you know, self gifting. And so, you know, right now, I think this is the, this, these are again, some stats, um, the top product categories Canadians will spend their money on is shifting. The number one category is still going to be, you know, food and beverage 
alcohol, cannabis, whatever. Um, I think it's 19% of the overall holiday spend. The second and third categories, very much like last year, clothing and toys. The, but the budget portion people are spending in these categories is shifting, maybe shifting to some other categories. Those other categories, home goods, home goods and gifts. We've talked right. about this, Rob, over and over and over again. People are spending more and more dollars in their home, in nesting. And that itself is self-gifting. They're giving to the family, you know, putting a hot tub, putting a pool and redecorating the family room, the great room, you know, adding that great big screen TV or that projector. You know, there's money being spent this holiday season, this year, that's outside the traditional holiday categories. And that is all about self-gifting. Right on. I could use a little self-gifting this, but if you want to get me a gift, then, uh, <laughs> I, I'm okay with that too. <laughs> oh man, all kinds of great stories. And like I said, we'll have the links in the, in the newsletter. In addition, we've got some, uh, some extra stories that didn't just quite make the cut this week, but uh, as we mentioned, Dan's got that seminar next uh, Tuesday and we'll have the link there. If you want more information on that, um, the, uh, a story about an independent bookstore and it, and it just really talked about how it contributes uh, to the community. And, and so, you know, posing the question, how does your store contribute to the fabric of the community you're in? And, and you read this one and it, it probably sparks some ideas. A uh, story about a, a uh, I think it was a young lady talking about starting a zero waste initiative that focuses on luxury fashion and environmental sustainability. That was pretty cute, cool. Uh, Lightspeed has a new acquisition uh, that uh, moves them as a category leader in uh, complex retail and rest restaurateurs. So we'll have the story there, and and more than uh, about shopping local. And and I've kind of I've posed this question to myself. I don't have the full answer, but I'm trying to wrap my head around Dan, and maybe we can talk more down the road about this, where it's not just shop local, but thinking about profit local, and right. and how does what, what's the impact of that store? Does the profit stay here because the owner's here? Is is the building owned locally? Like, is the rent staying here? The tax, yes. you know, on and on. And and uh, how it might, you know, shift some of the thinking of, of uh, not just shopping local, but but uh, that that profit local initiative. So lots of good stuff. It's in, it's in the newsletter. Head to retailbycrs.com if you haven't yet to sign up. And uh, Dan, where, where can folks find more on the uh, podcast? Uh, you can hit the podcast on every one of your favorite platforms. Search out The Wealthy Retailer. We're there. Subscribe, comment, share. Give us some love. I love reading the comments. Um, I got a great email from somebody last night that said, I listen to your podcast on the way into my store. She lives in, she lives outside of, of um, oh, I just drew a blank out of Medicine Hat. I think it might have been Medicine Hat. Okay. Um, and uh, she said, I listen to your podcast and your retail <laughs> revelations. <laughs> she said, I really, I mean, I love those comments. I want more and more feedback from totally. people. You know, I want us to be able to steer this to where it fits that independent retailer and the things that, you know, help you drive your business to a, to a better, to a better tomorrow. And certainly, you know, how that impacts the community. So I want to do talk about, you know, that profit local strategy, and maybe we can get that message out through some media that gets it to the consumer as well as the retailer, Rob. So yeah, right, guys, right on. retailbycrs.com, thewealthyretailer.com, tons and tons of information. Grab the newsletter. There's always some good stuff in there. 
uh, from the latest and greatest in point of sale technology to retail planning, um, and of course, the, the week's top news stories as viewed by Rob and Dan. There we go. <laughs> I said they're good, gosh darn it. <laughs> I said they're good. You got it. Right on. Have a great week, everyone. Happy retailing, guys. Happy retailing, guys.